Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Start Ed Up podcast. We did a seven-part series for some conversations we had at FETC, thus the ambient noise you're going to hear in the background here in a second. But today is with Nader Hamda. He is the CEO of Ozobot. And I really enjoyed this one because, number one, we had a lot of conversations with people at the intersection of entrepreneurship and, and ed tech. Uh, but Nader started off with a problem, and he has done quite a bit with uh, cross-cultural collaboration and really collaboration from all over the world. We get in deep on some how students and how some teachers could collaborate with some of their you know partners in Korea and some of their students they're working with in Korea and other places. So if you're a, 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 like a, like a bri- librarian, a teacher, especially at the elementary school level, I really would take them up on some of these ideas on some lessons that you guys could co-create with people around the world. I think that they're really on to something. But we get into a lot of depth on this conversation, turns into a lot of fun. And actually, at one point, I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm giving you advice on how to run your company, which was just kind of funny. And I, I went off on a tangent, but... That was one of the things I enjoyed. It was just the conversations on what if, and it started to become a brainstorm session. So um, listen to this. And again, if you are possibly interested in some collaboration, uh, I'd hit Nader up after this. Of course, we'll have his information in the show notes. But uh, I think this was an extraordinarily good uh, podcast in the sense that we're, we're talking and thinking out loud and seeing what we could do to empower students and get more collaboration and production uh, and championing that over just consumption. So let me get to this fun conversation, and I hope you enjoy Nader Hamda. All right, now we're joined here at FETC live with Nader Hamda. Uh, Nader is the CEO and founder of Ozobot. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having us. So, uh, first of all, thanks for the pre-conversation before the show. I really enjoyed uh, starting to, to get an idea of, of your background. Um, but before we get into all this, like most importantly, tell me about Ozobot and you know what it does for students. Well, we feel like uh, we wanted to introduce a tech tool into the classroom that gives teachers the ability to introduce newer technology in a way that is that is easy and simple for them because we believe a happy teacher is an engaged classroom so we wanted to make sure that we introduce robots into the classroom from K to 12 not just covering stem or or esteem but really covering all subjects and uh, that was that's been the vision and the passion and we are continuing to deliver on it today yeah so this is where a lot of people might scratch their heads what do you mean by uh, you know what is the other things I mean there's a lot there's a lot of like definitely coding and, and some STEM related things. Right. What's, what's different? So what's what's different is we have two ways to uh, to code. We have a patented color command language, so it teaches kids how to how to control a robot just through color. Uh, so we can start at a, even at a at a pre K or a kindergarten level. It's a pre reader level, and with the colors, um, it's very expression based. So we can get into subjects like a storytelling, history, geography. And the robots would then uh, traverse through maps that, that students create. And it really opens up Pandora's box and getting into the creativity component of education. Okay, now we're talking the same language. And obviously <laughs> we were talking earlier about the, you know, the whole creativity end. Uh, that's, that's one thing that, that I have seen that sometimes I, I get nervous about right. is that um, just speaking as a parent and as a teacher that, that enjoys creativity, uh, rote memorization obviously this isn't but just programming for the sake of programming sometimes i like 
I get it, we're programming robots, but I don't want the students to be one. Right. So right. Yeah, obviously, you guys are addressing that, uh, which is which is cool. Uh, but like, is that an I? Is that what you identified early on? I mean, like, when you wanted to create Ozobot, what did you want it to be, and how is it going to be different than just straight programming? Mm -hmm. So, I would say a lot. This is my my uh, third journey in business in building businesses, and with this one, I've always kind of been looking for need opportunities in different sectors. And I have two daughters, and you know, at, with my with this one, watching them interact with tech was uh, somewhat of a of an eye opener for me. When I gave them their first smartphones, it was an immediate um, shift in their personalities. They just became consumers of tech. They were just they were swiping to nowhere basically. Mm -hmm. And I looked at it and said, how can we? change the narrative around that? How can we make it a more enriching experience? So it wasn't continually specifically focused on, on coding and computer science, but it's more focused on enriching this experience mm -hmm. and getting them to create tech instead of just consume it was at the, at the beginning and the core of what we wanted to do. Okay. So obviously now you're, well, I mean, I shouldn't ask, obviously. What is your age range that you guys have found? So when we first started, because I, as I mentioned with our color, color command language, our color codes, um, we were uh, attracting the younger ages. Right. So we are more concentrated in the K to five with that uh, when we first launched. And that's been an area that we, we feel we're very strong in. Uh, we've, we've since introduced our block-based programming. Uh, we're very close to launching our, our scripting component. So our our ultimate vision is a, is a K to 12, covering all, all subjects, mm. concentration on, on STEAM, and measuring STEAM for the teacher. Tell me about the scripting component you guys have coming up, or can you talk about that yet? We can talk about it. We okay. were actually going to be showing it here, but we decided, because we are launching Ozobot Classroom, which is our, our interactive uh, dashboard for, for teachers, giving them live lesson insights into mm. what's going on with the robots in real time. Mm. That was a, we felt like it was a, it was a first step to introducing, we want to kind of spoon feed what we are doing to, to the community. Uh, scripting is really very, very uh, close trailing to the launch of Ozobot Classroom. And with scripting, we're launching Python. Okay. Well, okay, so let, let, give, me, give me the, um, the origin story here. Like, uh, obviously, what did you guys start off? Because like, I keep hearing you guys are building out more things, which is awesome. Right. What did it start with? Where were your pivots? Yeah. And, and, and obviously what it, like, what, how can we see some of these pivots? Oh, that's interesting. So we started, uh, I would tell you, off, from my, off my second company into this one, I took a year off and I recommend that for most entrepreneurs, just clear the mind and then you start with a blank canvas and figure out what you want to do next. I usually kind of, uh, as I said, kind of get attracted to need opportunities in different spaces. My daughters were basically, were definitely the, the conduits and the genesis for, for building this one out. Yeah. The thoughts started in 2012, um, trying to figure out a way to enrich that experience. I met a couple of robotic engineers and that, in that moment, and they really started to kind of set my mind into figuring out, you know, how can we get robots to become more ubiquitous? They, are, they already are You're becoming right. ubiquitous. How do we get them to become part of the learning experience? So I spent about two years building the first prototypes and launched it at CES uh, in 2014, followed by Toy Fair uh, shortly after. 
And I'm always a believer of listening to the marketplace, looking at, at things with very clear lenses. And one of the most passionate groups that came at us uh, in those two shows were the educators, trying to understand if we had structured lessons, activities, curriculum around our robots. So from that very early point, we started to focus on delivering structured curriculum to the classroom. And because our, we believe our robots are one inch in size and they can work on paper, on, um, on desk, they're quite versatile, that um, I like to call them the shiny objects came our way. Yeah. And the shiny objects were in the terms of Disney coming and opening up Pandora's box for us and different license opportunities to work with different movies and different uh, brands and titles that they have. And that was an opportunity for us, I would call like a mini pivot to kind of look at the consumer side of this whole experience and start to work with Disney. So we did work with Disney for a couple of years, uh, building a robot, our robots, putting skins on them, uh, basically changing the form factor into, into form factors of different characters of Marvel, Iron Man, Captain America. You put them on, all of a sudden it turns off the personality of the robot, turns on the personality of whatever character it is. Oh, wow. And it was a very fun experience for us. But it took us off our main uh, track. I was just going to ask. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, is it, I mean, I'm sure it was, the journey was worth it, but possibly took away from mission and vision? I would say uh, to shiny a degree, objects. yes. It well, was a shiny, shiny object. object. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah it no, took us a little bit off, off track, but no, nothing, to me, nothing is off track. It's, as long as it's a, a building experience and you're learning from it yeah. and you become better for it, and, and we're better for it today. Okay. Wow, I have so many questions around that, but I'm, I'm, I don't want to go down a, yeah. the, the cow path of uh, the wrong direction. So, no, I, uh, a that's 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 amazing, and and b, uh, I you'd mentioned something about you know a, a journey, and you said you know you were in between businesses. This is business number three. Correct. Right. Uh, I, I know you also have a a pretty diverse background of of your upbringing, and I, right. I would assume, and you can get into that, but. The gift, and we were talking about this off air, the gift that my parents gave me was the gift of culture and travel. Uh, we had no money, but we traveled uh, on, you know, a lot of times pop-up camper and coupons. Um, but I, I had realized now in my adult life, or even, heck, even when I was a kid, I, I could acclimate, I could talk to people easier, I could understand trends in certain areas. And it's just always been an advantage, and I, I, I greatly appreciate that. Um, obviously, your upbringing, how has that, and, and the different places you've lived, how has that affected your life as an entrepreneur and, and you know, product developer? Uh, I think immensely. It has definitely helped shape my, my thought process. I think we both shared the same gifts from our, from our um, parents. Travel has been a part of my DNA, and it wasn't just travel as a tourist, but it was travel. We were expats in different countries, right. uh, lived in three different continents, grew up in different continents, went to schools in different continents. From a macro perspective, it would, it, it would seem quite different. Um, what, we, what I was being taught, different languages, different subjects, uh, geography was kind of concentrated into, into the local areas. But when you kind of drill down to a micro level on it, you start to realize that I was being taught very similar. It was still being taught through textbooks. Textbooks were sometimes right. three, five, seven years old. Um, but it didn't make a difference because I was growing up through in linear times, almost like the, the byproducts of the Industrial Revolution. We are now in exponential times with the introduction of, yes. of tech. Yes. And that's really changes how we, how we view tech, technology and how we view education and how we're being able to teach kids um, 
the concepts of globalization, the, the concepts of global competence, and not just um, understanding what is going on in their villages and their towns and their states, but what they do in a, in a town impacts a global community. And I think my, my upbringing has allowed me to look at things much more on a global scale than on a, on a micro state scale. Okay, I love that. So, hearing that background, how is Ozobot trying to do the same thing? So when we look at Ozobot, you know, we look at, at we want to solve, obviously for the U.S. curriculum and the U.S. solutions, but we also look at, right now, we need to prepare students for a global society. So we need to get, get best practices uh, from different countries that are working well yeah. and be able to find repositories of, of content and, and data that is working in different countries and be able to proliferate it here by basically a shared community, a teacher community of, of content where teachers can take content from different places, mix it, fork it to fit current standards in the US so it fits current curriculum and then re-deliver it back to, um, to our classrooms. This way we're always staying in touch with what is relevant in different places around the world. And that's the genesis of our of Ozobot classroom is being able to accomplish that. Okay, I like that. Um, I always look through things in the lens of the hero's journey, Joseph Campbell, and, uh, yeah. and, and really that life cycle of every business and that journey of every entrepreneur Obviously, you, you've you've launched, you've you know crossed the threshold. Um, a <laughs> following that that pattern, who's been some mentors for you? Yeah. Uh, and then B, uh, what have been some of those pain points that some of your mentors are either currently working with you, uh, and and how are you starting to overcome those? So I, great question because I believe that is one of the fundamentals to an entrepreneur is have great mentors. Um, yeah. No one knows everything, and the moment you believe you do, that is the beginning <laughs> of your end. Um, I've uh, I've been fortunate to have some great mentors, especially I'll I'll, I'll stay to this moment. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Mark Rampola, he uh, was founder and CEO of Zico Coconut Water, that sold successfully to Coca-Cola. Um, he's now on our board of directors, and we riff all the time about how we're building this um, and how we are kind of really focusing on narrow, deep um, focus on uh, what we want to do as a brand, as a vision, and even like those shiny objects that we mentioned with, with Disney, we were kind of having great opportunities riffing through that, trying to understand is it still targeting our, our ultimate goal? Always have the end in mind and then start building to it. Um, we are a venture-backed company and also having another mentor from the VC firm just to un understand how do different sectors view business growth. Yeah. Um, I'm not on the, from the venture side, I'm from the business side, so being able to have access to uh, the venture uh, group, you get an opportunity to see it through different lenses and how they actually view businesses. They don't get too intoxicated with your with the vision and the story, it's much more on the balance sheet and the financials and, and you start to make sure that vision is great, but it needs to coincide with a very solid financial plan and a story that is that is backed from the business side of it all. Yeah, I, I can't agree more. I mean, the, the, the dozens of people that I've interviewed um, that are at, at your level, um, the humility, it's always kind of interesting. 
the people that are almost on the way there, sometimes there's some, uh, what is it, like irrational exuberance. <laughs> but the people that have really uh, been there and done that always have this, hey, man, I'm nothing without a lot of backing and a lot of support and a lot of insight from those around me. Uh, so I'm, I'm not surprised by the answer at all. But I, uh, I I love how you lean on some of those board members. You lean on people that, you know, like obviously in the people in the venture world, they want to they want to make sure you're successful. But but leaning on some of the, the information um, in this journey, though, like what have been like what has been some of the things that like the most difficult part of launching and scaling? Yeah, spot? I would say one of the most difficult parts uh, and it's funny because uh, going from my first and my second to my third, I went from uh, internet web development, e-business solutions back in the mid-90s to the 2000s and grew and exploded with the first internet bubble. Um, we were on the bleeding edge and I did not like being on the bleeding edge of anything. I, th I thought, you know, bleeding edge companies, they get the arrows yeah. and the cutting edge guys come in and they take all the market share. Um, so the second business, I really focused much more on, we call it recession-proof kind of uh, space. It was the baby in, uh, industry. I think, you know, in, a, in, in bad recession times, people stop building wealth, but they start building families. So I'm thinking this is not a bad place to be and found a, a neat opportunity there. Now coming to the third one and now in this in Ozobot, we buy... Uh, definition are kind of on the bleeding edge right now trying to introduce tech tools as a more ubiquitous component to a classroom and so don't really like being on the bleeding edge of, of business build but it's the nature of the moment right now and we feel like because there's a lot of social impact to what we are doing it is energizing and engaging not just for myself for our, but our whole team is that we believe we're actually doing something that is enriching to the to the classroom and the, the double-edged sword is that we are on the on the bleeding edge of it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I too, <laughs> echo those sentiments. Like, like uh, we, for years, like, I started doing um, a lot of work with schools, and the reality was is that um, they weren't necessarily interested in innovation entrepreneurship because that wasn't going to get a good SAT score. Um, and I'm, I'm starting to enjoy some of the shift. Well, case in point, this conference... Four years ago, we applied because some of my students we started among the like among the nation's first esports teams, and there was zero interest. Esports, what is that horrible idea? Yeah. Go away! And it's it's been it was kind of a because some of my students, former students, saw that I was here, and I told them like, hey, there's 16 sessions this year on esports, and in some ways they're like, ah, oh, we were five years too early. Uh, so I, I, I understand <laughs> yeah. that sentiment. Like they they were on the bleeding edge and. Now, mind you, it was cool in the sense that they started getting feedback and we had interviews with people like Rick Fox and, and people with Cloud9 and all these other great oh. industry people because they saw like, whoa, a high school has a team? That's really early. So they got to enjoy some of the accolades, but now that there's a market for it, they're like, well, oh, come on. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but it, it, it's, you know, obviously that, that journey is still all worth it. But yeah, like, boy, did they, even as 17, 18 year olds, they, they kind of understood that, that bleeding edge. Um, so where, where next? Uh, what's, what's the bold vision in the next two to three years? 
The, well, the vision continues to be on, on point. We want to be able to be a solution that doesn't just work you know, for U.S. classrooms, but, but for global class, classrooms. And we've been working not just with the U.S., but with different countries right now, uh, being approved by the ministries of education in, in, in different countries as a recommended tech tool to come into the classroom and into the curriculum. Our number one goal is to build our Ozobot classroom with a repository of data and lessons mm -hmm. from a global scale that teachers can then access. We feel like, you know, the companies, today's world and today's businesses um, have kind of opened Pandora's box of empowering uh, the, the general population to be em employees of the company in some fashion, the Ubers of the world, uh, the Airbnbs of the world. And education, uh, the best way to change education and to move it in these exponential times is to use the most richest resource that we have, which is our teachers. And getting them at the forefront of being able to systematically change education or change curriculum gradually. And giving them the tools like, like the Ozobot Classroom to allow them to be able to take control uh, over lessons is our vision. What does collaboration look like across <laughs> continents? So, is there going to be some opportunities for that, like challenges and, you know, kid in the Philippines is working on some Ozobot stuff and can there be collaborative with some students in Des Moines, Iowa? Yeah. It's funny you say that. So a few years ago, we actually did a, um, a, a video with a classroom in Korea. They were a third grade classroom in Korea and we were doing a satellite with a third grade class in California and using Ozobots. And the Korean classroom had the, had the product, we'd call it about two weeks prior to the US class uh, classroom. And what we saw there was quite uh, a, really amazing where it transcended language and the Korean uh, kids who knew very little English were trying to teach the, the American uh, students how to use the Ozobot, how to, how, to, how to put a color code down to control the robot in different inter intersections. So that was like the genesis of we realized that, you know what, um, coding, computer science, robotics can transcend barriers and, and, and cultural differences. And we want to continue to empower that. We're looking at robotic competitions as another way to bring different groups from different countries to, to work with the robots in different contexts. We're not about battle boss, we're not about battling, we're about more thoughtful use of the, of the, of the robots. Uh, so we're kind of working on different ways to accomplish that. Interesting that, that you say that, that you're wanting to uh, avoid the wars, which is, yeah. that's, that's, that's interesting. Um, focus groups with kids right now on testing out new things? Always. Yeah. Always. Um, and be going to go ahead and fly my son down there to Redondo Beach. Please do. You know, Uncle, Uncle Derek <laughs> lives uh, there in, in uh, Playa, Playa Vista. So uh, yeah. we might have, to, might have to recruit my 10-year-old son to give you some feedback. But, yeah. Um, no. Oh, absolutely! Please, please. I mean, we are—we're only as good as our, as our our collective group. Ozobot Classroom was was built in collaboration with a thousand educators, um, telling us what they wanted to see in, in launching it. And at the same time, um, when we deliver content, um, we wanna we we speak to elementary school, middle school, high school focus groups, so we understand are we resonating with yeah. each of these groups. So, are you using that then for outbound marketing? A, a little bit, yes. Please do that. Continue. Yes. Yeah. I, I mean, like, I'm sitting there, I think in video terms, right? Yeah. So I'm sitting there thinking about the video of the students in Korea, like, ba like creating some of these lessons 
for for kids that don't even speak the same language, like make sure that's part of outbound marketing. I think that would resonate with teachers is that we're always looking for an opportunity for kids to create and for kids to understand and have empathy and understand different cultures. Uh, I think that'd be wonderful. Uh, I will definitely talk to the marketing <laughs> team and get them on that. Uh, okay. No, I, I, again, yeah. I always think so visually. No, that so. makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I um, even some of the teachers that I know that they're always looking for opportunities for like their students to collaborate or connect with somebody else in some other part of the world. Well, if, if it's if it's a challenge and you guys can you know get it to behave and 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 be coded in a certain way, that's a fun challenge and. Uh, that understanding of and just that special feeling that, that there's some 10 year old out there like I collaborated with somebody that was 8,000 miles away yeah. and that's pretty cool yes. and uh, I, I, I love that anyway I'm not running your business so no, hey. friendly advice from, yeah. from a teacher that, and it's funny because that's why I'm thinking of this is my son is that he I've got a 10 year old like and I'm sure, I know this resonates with a lot of people uh, my son loves learning uh, but he doesn't like sitting still and listening to one person yeah. He likes active engagement. He likes to, you know, do experiments. He he would be really happy just to watch science videos on YouTube. Uh, but it's that production that he also likes. And so a collaboration with somebody outside of our state and outside of our country, oh, he'd just love that. You know, that makes a lot. You, you got my, like, mind going right now. All so right, I think right. after this, we're, we're going to have a little uh, a little session with marketing and strategize That's, a little bit about that. <laughs> I would love to give you yeah. my two cents worth. No, yeah. I, 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 I'll wrap this up by saying, A, I love, so I, before the show, I told you, I have an intersection of startup enthusiasts, uh, entrepreneur enthusiasts, and I have education enthusiasts. And I try to find the blend of both. And what I loved is, is that you saw a problem and you're like, you know what? I've built a company before. Let's do this. Uh, you saw your reactions in your own daughters on what technology is and isn't. Um, and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to go for some solutions. The fact that you guys have grown and made pivots and did some things with Disney briefly and learned from this and took from that and tried to get global collaboration, I think is just icing on the cake. So, uh, I appreciate your time. Appreciate our conversation actually before the podcast and just getting to know you as a person. Uh, but no, as, as a person that truly understands uh, what you're uh, kind of what you're going through, I have, I have so much respect for what you're doing and I sincerely appreciate you being on the show. Thank you very much for having me. Yes.